Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 38, Swift to Do Iniquity. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode. Does it feel like that the weeks are flying by for you? It does me, and luckily my kids will say that too. Either they're just saying that to make me feel better. I hope it's not old age, but it really feels like that time is just quickly flying by. So that makes me that much more grateful that you choose to listen to Sister Scriptorians, that you tune in each week to, to learn more about your Heavenly Father and your Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you that if you are finding worth in this podcast, if it is uplifting you and teaching you, I hope that you'll have the courage to be able to share it with other women who might also be able to have that experience and benefit from that experience. So after remembering Moses and likening him to their experience, Nephi gave his brothers a smackdown. He said, Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you. Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he hath spoken unto you in a still small voice. But ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. Going on, Nephi reminds them that they had heard the voice of the Lord speak to them with a voice of thunder, and it caused the earth to shake as if it were to divide asunder. He reminds them of the power which our Lord possesses. Do you sometimes forget what he is truly capable of? By the power of his almighty word, he can cause the earth that it shall pass away. By his word, he can cause the rough places to be made smooth, and smooth places shall be broken up. Notice the vehicle in which all of these actions or events take place. The word. The power is by the power of God or his priesthood, but it is his word that puts everything into motion. And this is a topic for another day, or at least something for you to just personally ponder. If God, through his word, can cause the earth to pass away, or the rough places made smooth, how powerful is your word? If we are truly learning to become like him, how much power resides in our words? Something to consider. But what I do want to focus on today is the observation that Nephi made of Laman and Lemuel, which can be applied to each and every one of us. That must be applied to ourselves through a searching of our heart and even the real intent of our prayers to our Heavenly Father. And that is regarding, ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. That makes my heart groan. It reminds me of the line from the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The natural man is prone to do iniquity and slow to remember the Lord their God. 
To understand this more thoroughly, for a week, I studied just the word iniquity. I looked up the definition in the dictionary and searched the scriptures for clarification. I'm not sure that I really reached a glowing definition, but I can point now in the right direction. Iniquity is deviating from what is right. To bend, twist, and distort the word of God. Now, some Christians believe that it is a premeditated choice, which I'm not entirely on board with. Examples from the scriptures, which I will get to in a minute, lean me to believe that iniquity, at the very least, is the result of slothfulness or even distraction when we aren't actively engaged in seeing our actions and our laws and our culture through the lens of God and His commandments. It can be intentional, but I rather think it is the consequence of us not being diligent. Regardless, when we continue in iniquity without repentance, it does lead us to sin against God, not fearing how our actions will offend Him. From the Bible, we learn what iniquity is through a series of scriptures that use comparisons. In Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, in describing our God, it says, He is a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Or Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And along the theme that iniquity is lies and deceptions, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Even Malachi chapter 2, verse 6 explains that the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. In Job chapter 15, verse 16, Filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water. And from the epistle of Paul the apostle to the Hebrews, we learn that if we love righteousness, we hate iniquity. Therefore, putting all of this together, iniquity is the act of injustice, lies, and deception. It is cruelty. It creates chaos through the commotion of sin and the violation of God's words. Iniquity is to remain in sin instead of embracing purity, therefore assimilating ourselves to the wickedness that surrounds us. The Book of Mormon is adept at giving us examples as to what brings about a state of iniquity. When the people were ripe with iniquity, they had rejected the word of God, rejected the just, something that is morally right and fair, and treated it as worthless and reviled against good. Throughout 2 Nephi chapter 28, Nephi gives us warnings and descriptions of what the latter days will be like with their false churches and foolish doctrines. Iniquity is found in the contention and the teaching of those with their own learning while denying the Holy Ghost, denying the power of God, and putting trust in man's power. Justifications for committing a little sin will be one of the foolish doctrines that will give growth to pride. Therefore, men will rob the poor, persecute the meek, and the poor in heart. The people will become stiff-necked, wicked, engaging in abominations and whoredoms, and other precepts of men that will lead them astray and cause them to error. 
the wise, learned, and the rich will continue to puff up in pride, teaching false doctrines, committing whoredoms, and perverting the ways of the Lord. Yikes. I think sometimes we dismiss these examples of iniquity and think that they couldn't possibly pertain to us because we see words like whoredoms or we think that all of these characteristics belong to other churches or other organizations or those individuals that belong to those things. But then you take a close look and you remember those times when you spoke to impress someone or you refrained from speaking because you feared offending even when the Holy Ghost was prompting you to do otherwise, or when we withhold our substance, when we overpower the meek, or when we felt in our hearts, in the very privacy of our hearts, where no one can truly know how we really feel, we feel that we're a little better than our brothers and sisters, a little smarter than our leaders, that our riches are proof of our superiority, and that our actions though less than stellar, have good cause and reason for deviating from the standards of the Lord. And it is then that we realize that we've been tinkering around with iniquity. The Jaredites were instructed that whatsoever nation shall possess the promised land shall serve God or will be swept off because of their iniquity. Yet iniquity eventually would come. The people were affected by jealousy compromising their standards, unbridled desires for gain and power, and they were swayed by money. Despite the prophets that came into the land, crying repentance to them, the Jaredites believed not the words of the prophets and cast them out. What price will we pay for the removal of God in our society? Are our jealousies in check with our loved ones, our neighbors, those in our communities, or even amongst other nations. We can have jealousy even towards other nations and compare ourselves and covet what they have and be ungrateful for what we have. Are we staying true to our standards? Are we desirous for truth? Or is compromising to get gain acceptable? Do we treat the words of the prophet as hard things or a bother for someone else less busy than ourselves? or for those in a different season of life? Or do we follow him the best we can because he is our guide to the light of Christ? On and on, the Book of Mormon gives us examples of the people's iniquities, and it goes beyond murderous acts. It includes being swayed by flattering words that will lead them away from God forgetting the Lord and trampling him under their feet because of their ease and great prosperity, pride and boasting, and then being slow to give ear to God's counsels, mocking his prophets, refusing to repent, and forgetting to thank the Lord for their riches. Instead, their hearts swelled in great pride as they treated each other with malice and persecutions, creating strifes amongst one another. Under these conditions, the condition of contentious and chaotic hearts, it will become easy for God's children to succumb to the teachings of false prophets who teach that these ways are not iniquitous before God and that they should do whatsoever their heart desirous because all is well. Can you see that in our society today? 
Do you hear the selfish rhetoric in the media? Have you witnessed the decrease in civility? Do you feel the contention amongst groups that think they disagree a whole lot more than they can find ground to agree upon? Boiled down, iniquity is all acts that create enmity between you and your fellow men or enmity between you and your God. Iniquity is pride. It isn't just to be found in people on whatever opposing side you belong to, but it is within all of us. And it is what causes us to be slow to remember God or unable to feel his words. Iniquity alters our senses. Betraying them with the false pleasures and beliefs of the world, creating unnatural devotions and addictions to anger and jealousy, to power and riches, and to teachings that are false and unjust. Iniquity is the twisting of truth into a counterfeit plan that appeals to the appetites and sensations of the natural man. With all of that, polluting our minds and our hearts and our tongues, no wonder the lines of communication become muddy between us and God. No wonder Nephi says to his brothers regarding their interactions with the still small voice, but ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. How could they feel his words when commotion and anger, bitterness and resistance filled their beings? Notice that Laman and Lemuel had twisted and distorted the word of God by justifying and witnessing that the people of Jerusalem, who had in reality perverted the ways of the Lord, Laman and Lemuel testified that they were righteous, that they kept all the statutes and commandments of God, and that Lehi had judged them. Their hearts were hardened to the manifestations of the Spirit that they had received. Whether it was a whispering, a feeling, or even a voice of thunder shaking the earth. With all of this said, And with as many illustrations that I could give you before I lost your attention, please hear this. We do not need to be defined by our iniquities. The Savior asks us, He truly pleads with us to turn away from our iniquities and to follow Him. President Monson tutored us in receiving communications from the Spirit. He said, as we pursue the journey of life, let us learn the language of the Spirit. The Spirit speaks words that we feel. These feelings are gentle, a nudge to act, to do something, to say something, to respond in a certain way. If we are casual or complacent in our worship, drawn off and desensitized by worldly pursuits, we find ourselves diminished in our ability to feel. Nephi said to Laman and Lemuel, Ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he hath spoken unto you in a still small voice. But ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. End quote. When was the last time you felt a nudge to act? Can you recall a circumstance when a sentence came to your mind that you knew 
would put another's heart at ease? What about a moment when not to act was more uncomfortable? You felt wiggly and you felt unsettled or you had a persistent thought repeating over and over in your mind. When did it become more uncomfortable not to act than to just get up and do what you were being prompted to do? Can you see, though, how iniquity can slow you down from feeling, let alone responding, to such a small yet powerful impression of the Spirit? Nephi's soul was rent with anguish for Laman and Lemuel. He truly feared for the state of their souls. Nephi then proclaims that he is full of the Spirit of God, to the point that his frame had no strength. And Laman and Lemuel were angry with Nephi. Which is an understatement because their desire was to capture Nephi and throw him into the depths of the sea. In my mind, that would require taking him to a high point, such as a mountain, and pushing him off, don't you think? They intended to murder him. And as they came to lay their hands upon him, Nephi says, In the name of the Almighty God, I command you that ye touch me not. He testifies that he is filled with the power of God even unto the consuming of his flesh. And if they touch him, they will wither like a dried reed and God will smite them. Nephi then gives them their new conditions. They are not to murmur against their father anymore. And they are to stop withholding their labors from him. They are to construct a ship. Then he gives a discourse on the majesty and power of the God you and I worship characteristics that you and I should heavily consider and truly believe that God has great power and has worked many miracles among the children of men. Why wouldn't he be able to instruct Nephi that he should build a ship? What miracle has he worked among you? And what is he commanding you to do that you have not believed that you are capable of doing? Stop being swift to dismiss him and feel his guidance and direction for you. Instead, be like Nephi and boldly declare that if God commanded of me, then I can do it. Nephi had such confidence in the Lord and also in his ability to cleanse himself of iniquity that he boldly declared to his brethren that if God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done. Wow! What are the commandments you are struggling with? Bending, twisting in order to fit your lifestyle. Do you have the faith to course correct and purify your heart so you can feel the Spirit of the Lord? Do you recall your experiences with the Spirit? What it felt like? What his words felt like? Was your heart pricked at all as we discussed iniquity today? Can you go to Father in prayer and ask for guidance on what you can do to be swift to remember him? I love the next line in the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And he will do just that if you let him. 
Sister Scriptorians, have courage to pray to Father, asking Him to bring to your remembrance what you can do to rid your hearts of iniquity and make more room for Him. Please believe in His ability to move mountains for you through your faith in Him. Mountains of jealousy, mountains of indecision, mountains of pain, and mountains of doubt. He can do it. Have a good day.